Amen. Well, Center Church, uh, this morning I have the privilege of introducing to you a guest uh, preacher for this morning, and uh, it is an incredible privilege. Uh, pastor Dave Turner is a pastor down at the Summit Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, the church that planted us here in Charlottesville just a couple of years ago. Uh, he was my boss, uh, so I have to say lots of nice things about him, uh, for a handful of years when I was starting out in ministry and had an incredible impact on my life as I was uh, forming as a follower of Jesus in, right after I came to Christ. Uh, he ha- is a, uh, a father, a husband. He's got three young kids, and he's an incredible man of God that I look up to in so many ways. And this morning, as we have been resting in July, he is going to be teaching some of what Jesus teaches about rest. Uh, he is passionate about this topic, loves to care for the church, and to help people walk in healthy rhythms of what it means to follow Jesus and to find rest for our souls in the midst of the craziness of the world that we live in. So wherever you are in your homes or here, a couple of volunteers with us live, let's give a warm Center Church, welcome to Pastor Dave Turner. Thank you so much. It is, uh, it's great to be um, with you this weekend, obviously virtually, um, but just a special occasion for me um, to be, yeah, just to have the opportunity to be a part of the Center Church uh, culture um, and the movement uh, that's up here um, in, uh, in UVA and Charlottesville. So what a, what a blessing for me. Um, uh, Justin did accurately say um, that uh, I'm from the summit and uh, I am a husband and a father. So I'm married. Um, I've been married for 14 years. Uh, actually, is it 13? It might be 13. I can't remember. I hope my wife, my wife doesn't watch this, but I'm going to say 13 years. I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go with 14. I'm going to go with 14. <laughs> Um, so we have been married for 14 years. We do have three kids, uh, Graham, who's 10, um, Macy, who is seven, um, and then Beck, who is three. And we have one on the way as well. Um, and and uh, that is a boy and will be due in September. So we got some good tips from Bailey and Justin last night about how to have a baby in a pandemic. Um, so we are looking forward to that uh, this, uh, this September. So... Um, yeah, and by the way, it was great yesterday. I had an opportunity to be with, uh, with some of your staff, some of your college staff, um, and then some of the students that are part of your church. And so that was just an incredible blessing. Just very inspired, very inspired by, by the things that God is doing um, in this church, in these staff members, um, your pastors, um, but then also just even in the students. It was just so encouraging, so fun, and fun to rem- reminisce about some old stories of Justin and Zach and others and just some of the stupid things that they did in college. So... Hopefully I can come up again another time in person. We can share some of those stories with you. Um, So yeah, so today, as Justin said, I get the opportunity to talk about something I feel like God is doing a lot of work in me right now, and that is rest and restlessness. And I really say the lack of rest that can be a part of my, my, my life, a part of my my heart, um, and so there is. Uh, there's a lot that Jesus has to say about rest and about us ultimately entering into the rest that He has given in Himself. So I'd love for you to pray with me as I pray um, that the Lord would help guide us in His Word today. And we're going to be in a famous passage that probably many of you know, Matthew 11. Um, 28 through 30. So go ahead and open that as I, as I pray um, and ask the Lord to help guide us in this time. Jesus, we, we thank you uh, so much just for, um, for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, it is because of you um, and the good news um, that we are able to be here, Lord, worshiping virtually 
Um, and Lord, and, and, and singing and praying and reading things that are true, promises that are true about you. And Lord, it's all because of you that we're even able to do that. So Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, I pray that this passage from Matthew 11, Lord, would both convict us, Lord, as it has convicted me, but Lord, so it would convict us, but then also, Lord, refresh us, inspire us to rest in you and to know what that looks like even practically in our lives. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Matthew 11, 28 through 30. So let me go ahead and read this in this entirety. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in hearts, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, this, this might be a familiar passage for you. Uh, many of us that, or many people that have grown up in the church have probably heard this. Even if you haven't been a church person, you've probably heard some sort of statement about this, about, yeah, God said something about like we're supposed to come and lay our burdens at his feet and he's going to give us rest and something like that. So somewhat of a familiar passage for many of us. And the thing is, my guess is we hear that and we go, yes, I, I want rest. I, and, and I, I want, and it's this, it's this, it's this, it is a very beautiful passage. And you're like, yes, I want that. But my guess is for many of this, and I know for many of us, and I think including me, is rest evades us. And this passage, what we just read, seems foreign to our actual experience in our lives. In fact, my guess is many of you would maybe relate most to the first line of this verse. Let's look at it again. It says, come to me. This is the part I want to focus on. All who labor and are heavy laden. My guess is many of us are going, yeah, that part I can relate to. The heavy, the laboring, the heavy laden, the weight. You're like, I relate to that. I feel restless. I feel busy. In fact, just even thinking about like, what do people so much, like you kind of ask people how they're doing in America. And probably my guess is even Charlottesville. You ask in Charlottesville, hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, what's going on? I'm just busy. Like that's, it's almost like this kind of like badge of honor. Like I'm just busy, busy, busy. And I'm just, and I'm moving from one thing to the next. There's a recent study that came out about the attention span of 21st century adults, about us, uh, the attention span. Do you know that we have, our attention span is less than a goldfish? Have you watched a goldfish before? I mean, it's, goldfish is just barely, just moving around. We have, our attention span is less than a goldfish. Now, there's many factors for that here in the 21st century, and I think technology, the technology is so good. There's some things that we have allowed uh, to, to, to cause us to be even more busy and things like that. But our attention span is diminishing. We, we do not compare. We can't even compare to a goldfish in our attention span. And so much of that is I think many of us are just busy, busy, busy. And not just busy. We are restless. We're just, there's just so much going on, so much coming at us. So before we jump further into this text and kind of start diving deeper, I want to ask the question, why? Why are we so restless? Why are we so burdened? And I want to acknowledge just, I think, a very clear disclaimer. You know, in this passage, you know, it says, come to me, all who, are la all who labor and are heavy laden. You know, and then there's this aspect, another version says, you know, lay your burdens at God's feet, at Jesus' feet. And I want to acknowledge there are outside circumstance burdens that we are carrying, that some of us are carrying, whether that's things going on with your family, health issues, economic stress, job complications, things like that, shoot, a pandemic that we are in. 
So we know that there are burdens, and, what, and, and I'm, I want to acknowledge that, but where I want to spend the majority of my time is I think where Jesus is wanting to spend the majority of his time in this passage, and that is the burdens and the stress that we put on ourselves that are not necessarily outside circumstances, but they're actually inner circumstances. So I want to again ask that question, why are so many of us restless and burdened? In the New Testament context of this, Jesus, when he was saying all who labor and are heavy laden, he is specifically talking about the, the, uh, the Jewish Pharisees, the, 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 the religious leaders of the time, the way that they would put these, uh, these rules and these guidelines of how to follow God on the people. And the thing is, it was just tons of them, them just tons of rules and all these things that people had to do. So in this context, Jesus is referring to the labor and the heavy laden. It's referring to these legalistic laws that the Pharisees were, 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 were putting on the people. But here's the thing. Let me, I guess, let me say this kind of about that, that, the, the Jewish context of this. These people, these followers of God under the Jewish law, they were trying to earn something from God. They were trying to earn something from God or they were trying to earn something from others or they were trying to earn approval even for themselves to meet some standard in themselves. So let me, I guess let me, rhetorical question, aren't we just like this? We are obviously not in early Jewish culture, but we are here in the 21st century Western culture and we do the same thing. We don't necessarily have Pharisees that are putting things on us, but we have created standards or created things for ourselves that is driving us to try to earn something, earn something from God, earn something from ourselves, earn something from others, earn something from society where we are wanting to prove and to show something about our value or about who we are. Scripture would call that, is going to call that idolatry that basically there are things in our hearts that are driving us to try to earn something or prove something or get love from something outside of God. So they would call that, scripture would call that idolatry. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods, he talks about this being, this idolatry being the idols of the heart. So I want you to listen to this quote about what an idol is from scripture. So what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. And then he says this, an idol has so as such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion and energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. So it is the things within our heart that just drive us to try to get, to fill, to prove whatever other than God. So let me ask again, why are so many of us restless? This is why I think, and I think scripture shows this, because many of us are functionally burdening our, burdening our hearts, pursuing the idols of the heart. And this constant striving and labor leaves us restless. It doesn't matter how busy of a week you have or how less busy of a week you have, or even if you take a one-month vacation or a yearly vacation, my guess is if you are pursuing idols of the heart, you will still feel restless. You will still feel busy in your heart. Keller also does this in this book and some other articles that he has written. He helps us diagnose 
different idols and, and, and even helping us kind of figure out just with our personality, our makeup, our family origin, and, and just even our, uh, just our DNA, what are the things maybe that we as, as individuals are more prone to, 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 to go after? So what he did is, is he just kind of categorized in kind of an umbrella, um, umbrella terms four kind of summary idols. Obviously, there's, there's different things that kind of flow under from these different idols, but he has four different ones. And this, I'm going to read these off, and they'll be on the screen. So these are the four different idols that, that he thinks that Scripture shows are very much a part of our hearts, and we can be more prone towards one of these or even sometimes two or maybe even all. But here's the four. Power, approval, comfort, and control. Let me say it again. Power, approval, comfort, and control. So then to help diagnose where you're at with this, he gives specific emotions or the biggest fear that is connected to each idol. So for power, listen to this. Your, if power is like the idol that you are most prone towards going after, your biggest fear is humiliation. If you're more prone towards approval, your biggest fear is rejection. If you're more prone towards comfort, your biggest fear could be stress. And then for control, your biggest fear is uncertainty. So what is it for you? What is it for you? And, and I'd love for you to even take some time, whether that's now or whether that's sometime today or this week, to just think and just diagnose yourself a little bit and go, Lord, help me see where, what idol or idols am I very prone towards? When, from, you know, when you're even laying awake at night, or you're dreaming, what are those dreams, what are those biggest fears that sometimes come out in those dreams or come out in what you're worrying about? And a lot of times that's going to help you see the core idol that is driving you in certain things. So you're like, Dave, thank you. This is really helpful. I feel very encouraged. So let's move to the beautiful parts of how do we enter into his rest? How do we look at the restlessness and the idols in our heart? And then what does the scripture say about moving into his rest and knowing what Jesus's rest looks like? So I believe this passage from Matthew that we read earlier has four encouragements about what it looks like to enter Jesus's rest. So number one, to enter his rest, we lay down our burdens or repent of our idols. And again, I had the disclaimer earlier about there are outside circumstance burdens that we do lay at his feet that don't necessarily have anything to do with sin or idols in our heart, but we lay those at his feet. But then in these, um, you know, this other way of saying it, repent of our idols, we need to, I want us to look there of like, what is it in our hearts that's maybe driving us towards these things? So to enter his rest, we lay down our burdens or repent of our idols. Look at this in the the verse again. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So in order, you see this, in order to take God's yoke, Jesus's yoke 
upon you, which we'll talk about what yoke is in a minute, but in order to take that on you, you have to lay down what you were already carrying. So you have to, you have to well, I'll say this. A yoke is it's, it's a working tool that cattle would use and even sometimes human to help till, till the, uh, the soil of a farm or carry things or whatever. So it's, 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 a, it's a heavy mantle that you would carry around you with ropes attached and you'd be pulling that in a field or again, carrying things. So we are, have these idols that are like yokes on us and Jesus is saying, you've got to take that off. You've got to take that off in order to then take my yoke. So we have to, again, to enter his rest, the first thing we do is we've got to lay this down. And part of that, again, for many of us as we're diagnosing our hearts, is to actually repent, repent of whatever those idols are that are driving us. For me, and I'm just going to be vulnerable with you, for me, power and approval not that the other ones don't have influence on me, but power and approval are the ones that I am most drawn towards. And what's crazy is, is that I can have a veneer in my ministry uh, of doing Christian work, of doing Jesus work, where I am actually so driven by trying to get power or approval. In fact, when I first moved, my wife and I moved from California uh, almost 10 years ago to the Summit Church in Raleigh, and those first couple years of, of, of starting a ministry, I was so driven, so driven to try to prove to myself, to prove to others that I could like do a, have a good ministry, have a successful ministry. I was overworking, I was overeating, I was just, I, I was neglecting in some ways my wife and my kid, not in these just brutal ways, but I mean, I was not present. I was so busy, I was so restless. I remember my son at that point, my oldest son at that point, I think this was about year two of, 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 of uh, starting this ministry down in, in, uh, in Raleigh, year two. And so I think my son was maybe two and a half, three at that point. I remember one night I was putting him to bed and I had him on the rocking chair. I kind of read him a book and then he just said, you know, kind of in his little baby language, just said basically he wanted me to hold him for a little bit. So I remember sitting in this little rocking chair holding him and him just... Just I could just feel just the comfort that he felt me holding him. There was like, there was no stress in his body. He was just at peace. And I remember holding him and thinking, this is like, I'm, the Lord gave me this where I just was like, this is not how I feel with God right now. I, I, I do not feel safe. I do not feel comforted. I, do, I am so stressed out. And I started, I started weeping. I started weeping, holding my son. I remember, you know, Graham kind of looked up. He's like, you know, in his, again, baby language, something like, what's going, why are you crying? You know, and I'm just like, I had this kind of moment where I'm realizing I am so driven by this idol in my heart of seeking to be powerful, to get approval. And, and at that moment, I repented of the ways that I was doing that. And I, and I had to, the Lord gave me, I think, wisdom and what, you know, what I needed to do to kind of change things in my life. But I mean, there was a constant repentance, joyful repentance of like, Lord, I, I know I have to lay this down. I want to be satisfied in you and not be trying to earn something from what I'm doing. And again, that has been, I mean, I'm still in that journey to a degree. I still wrestle with that, but there is an awareness and a repentance that is continually a part of my life after I realized how much I was driven by that idol. So my encouragement to you in this is that you I, I, the scripture pleads with you to be aware and to be repentant of the idols that can drive your heart. And if you don't repent or you continue to stay under, unaware, you will, be you will be worthless, no, you will be restless, you will be restless 
And to be honest, many of you will burn out. And then I think even for the ones that don't, this is the thing that scares me the most. You will get bored with Christ. You will get bored with Christ. If you're just continually pursuing your idol, you will ultimately get burned out on Christ and bored with him. I love this. This is from a book called Competing Spectable, Competing Spectacles by Tony Rinke. And he says this, over time, if we trifle ourselves with vain pursuits, our hearts will grow bored with Christ. Let me say that again. Over time, if we trifle ourselves with vain pursuits, our hearts will, go bored, will grow bored with Christ. That is not what I want for my soul, and that is not what I want for Center Church. So we lay down our burdens. We repent of our idols. So continuing on with the passage, verse 29, it says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So to enter his rest, the second point here is to enter his rest, we will take his yoke. So the Matthew commentary that I was looking at it just had this really funny way of asking this. So the, 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 the author of the commentary was saying, is like, okay, so Jesus, we drop our burdens, but then you ask us to pick something back up, like something else up. Like, and not only you're actually asking us to take off our yoke and then pick up yours, like how is that helpful? Like Jesus, I thought I was coming to you to drop this at your feet and then I'm free. But again, he's asking, he's saying, no, 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 you take my yoke upon you. This is, and again, a yoke is a working tool. Like this, this commentator said, man, he's like, I kind of wish like it had been like, hey, pick up your, you know, your, your cuddly blanket or your mattress or a hammock or a latte, like something that was like, like refreshing. But no, I got to pick up this working tool, your working tool. So what's the answer to that? Why is Jesus saying, no, pick up my working tool? What is he saying here? Jeremiah 6, 16 has a beautiful, I think it ha helps us with the answer to this. Look at this. Jeremiah 6, 16, it says this, stand by the road and look for the ancient path and find rest for your souls. Stand by the road and look for the ancient path and find rest for your souls. The ancient path in this context is basically saying God's ways, what God has set up for you to know him, the ways that he has, has cultivated his economy, his, the, the, the way of us uh, living and working and all these things following his path leads to rest. So this yoke that he is giving, that we that take up as his, one of the words that, or phrases that many of us would probably describe that is the spiritual disciplines, or others of you might say habits of grace. And these would be things like, like being in his word, praying, solitude, Sabbath, being in community. These things are meant to give us rest. So the disciplines, the lifestyles that we cultivate are ultimately meant to bring you rest. And I think, oh, I think we forget this so much. I know I forget this so much. Sometimes I see these things as drudgery. And, and I want to acknowledge, yes, there are seasons where these things are drier or harder to live out sometimes. And I'm not, I, I, we don't need to, that, that's, a whole nother, that's a whole nother sermon. But we definitely, I know that I can just so see the church or see this memorizing scripture or these things is like, this is drudgery and I really don't want to do that. But I need to, I need to, and we need to kind of reorient our mind and go, no, these things are meant to give us rest. This is part of like taking his yoke and putting it up there. They're meant to help us have rest and to have joy. 
I love this. Look at Psalm 19. I think this just beautifully describes, beautifully describes what this looks like in our emotions as we see his ways as rest. So this is Psalm 19, seven through 11. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than also, than also than honey and drippings on the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I love this. I mean, like these words, reviving the soul, bringing light to the eyes, rejoicing the heart. These are not drudgery descriptions. These are, these are joy-filled, rest-filled descriptions about what it looks like to take his yoke, to follow him. So Center Church family, his yoke, his ways are good and they bring rest to the soul. So obedience and following him brings rest. So the third thing we see in this passage to enter his rest, to enter his rest, we come to a person. We come to a person and that person is Jesus. Do you see all the personal pronouns that Jesus uses in here? This is a, this is, this is a very personal statement. This is intimate. Come to me. I will bring you rest. Take my yoke. I am gentle for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Again, personal pronouns where he is zooming into this is him. This isn't, you know, sometimes when we think about rest or Sabbath or whatever, we kind of think of like this just, you know, ethereal thing out there. Where it's like, oh, I just want to get to some place of rest. I want to find, you know, kind of my, my, my beach out there where I can just rest. But no, Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Rest is not just some ethereal thing out there. It's not just you finding your perfect beach. It is coming, rest is coming to me. These spiritual disciplines, this yoke that I'm giving you actually leads to me, to me. He is communicating love. He is shepherding you, his heart, sharing his heart. He's showing that he loves you. He's saying, hey, you've, you've tasted and seen that I am good through these things. Continue, because come to me. I am the answer. In fact, I love this. Second Corinthians says that, all of God's promises, everything basically is answered yes in Jesus. Everything is answered yes in Jesus. So think of the idols that we talked about previously, power, control, comfort, approval. I just want you to just listen to these things and may this just be refreshing to your soul. Jesus is your power. Jesus is your comfort. Jesus is your approval. Jesus is your control. So to know that Christ, that in Christ we possess all things is an amazing answer to our earthly ambition and burdens. To find rest in Christ means, let's just kind of make this real specific to these idols. When you labor to be prestigious, remember that your name is already written in heaven in the most prestigious place it could possibly be. When you labor Eagerly for human approval. Remember that you are already approved and will be the judge of angels. Remember when you labor and acquire wealth and security. Remember you have greater and unfading heavenly wealth. wealth. When you labor to be seen as successful, remember that the God who made the heavens chose you in Christ from eternity past. 
Guys, I love Jen Michael Pollock, a women theologian, cultural writer, love what she writes, but I love how she says this about kind of our identity in Christ and finding rest. To find your identity in Christ is to give up on earthly ambition as swallowed up by the far greater ambition. It is to measure your life by a different scale. It is to say, my personal causes no longer matter because my life is now about the greater cause of Christ. It is okay, I love this, I love how she said this. It is okay, it is to be okay with being a nobody because you already have everything in Jesus. He is freedom, he is rest. So again, we are coming to a person. We are coming to Jesus and not just some rest, whatever out there. This is a person, Jesus. So finally, to enter his rest, we trust that we will get to the final rest. So we live in the already not yet, meaning that the world is still fallen. Our Yes, we are saints because if you are a follower of Christ, you are a saint and you are saved by Jesus, but there is still sin within. There are still idols that can drive us. The world is groaning in pain. We are literally seeing that right now with all the things going on in our country and around the world. Your body is failing. Again, you still struggle with sin and idols. Satan sometimes looks like he is winning. As Christ followers, as disciple makers, we feel that struggle of like, we know that we are saints. We know that we have rest in Jesus, but yet I still struggle with this stuff and the world still seems like it's just going crazy and there's all this stuff coming at me. So we feel that tension. So we know that we live in this, okay, hey, we know Jesus is coming back. We know who he is, but we're not, we haven't, we're not fully experiencing everything that we want to experience. And this is why this last point is so crucial. What we are experiencing, the little rest and the rest that we experience now is a foretaste of heaven, a foretaste of the final rest. It is a preview to the reality of what the eternal rest will be like. Think about this, Revelation 21, I just, I love this verse. The city, it talks, this is talking about when we get to heaven and we are with, with our God. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb of God, Jesus. Talk about rest. We just were there with Jesus. We're there with our God. We don't need, there's no tears. There's no restlessness anymore. So the rest that we, that we seek now in Jesus and that we get now in Jesus, it is just a mere pointer a foreshadow of the final rest that we will have when we are there with him in heaven. And I think the scripture continually shows we are to have eyes that see this final rest. So I would encourage us, encourage myself, Lord, help me see the final rest beyond even the rest that I experience here. See him, experience him as your rest now, but let that be a declaration that your home and final rest is elsewhere. So says Center Church family, if you would pray with me and let's ask the Lord to help drive this rest that we get to declare now, but to declare for the future even more. Jesus, we thank you so much for these words. We thank you for your love for us. You have been so good. You have been so good in what you have done and who you are. 
And we praise you, Lord. I pray just even as we sing this song that Christ is enough, that you are enough, Lord. May you use this Matthew 11 passage. May you use this song to just drive this deeper into our hearts where you lead us to places of repentance or conviction and then repentance and then to give us wisdom and even how to take, take steps, practical steps of even what this looks like to enter more into your rest in, in life now. But Lord, we want to proclaim, we want to proclaim and we want to praise you that we know the rest you've given us now again is just, it's just an appetizer of the final rest that we will have with you. And so we long for that and help us live in light of that. In Jesus' name.